Uh, Proverbs chapter 1, uh, beginning with verse 8. Uh, hear the word of God. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil. And they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain and takes away the life of its possessors. We'll mainly look at that, but to keep uh, this next section together with it. Wisdom cries aloud in the streets. In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. Then they will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. We pray that it would be among us. And this chapter, in these verses that we just read, what you have is two warnings uh, that are given. I um, mean, it's impressive that one of the things that wisdom is able to do is, is to teach and to warn about what we don't already know, about things that we haven't experienced yet, and to teach us what to do, what to watch out for, uh, how to handle it, how to uh, live uh, well as part of what wisdom is, and that involves a warning. So the, the first warning that we give is very uh, direct. 
Uh, the second warning uh, is, is more indirect. It draws you into this narrative, this poetic uh, narrative. The first is the voice of the parents, or particularly the voice of the father. So it speaks to his son, instructing. Uh, the second invitation comes, as it were, from, from wisdom herself. Uh, personified as a voice calling out on the city streets, inviting to wisdom, and then mocking and teaching and her warning. So the first gives a warning uh, what to avoid. The first gives a warning of the evil that we should avoid. And the second speaks to the danger of avoiding what's good. Uh, so one uh, then speaks, uh, this first one speaks of, of warning you of some of the things that you want. Well, the second that we'll look at more next week speaks uh, of warning you of what too often we, we don't want. Um, I very much hope that we would hold these two together, and I was going to try and, and did try to, um, uh, to hold these two together and look at them both uh, this week. And the further I went along with it, the more I said I'm going to either pack it in way too much, uh, too tight, and uh, go uh, way too long, or, or just skip over uh, too much. Uh, so we're going to take up that second half of it uh, next week, uh, this wisdom's personified call uh, to you, inviting you to wisdom, that second warning, the warning of what it is that too often we, we don't want, uh, but need to hear her call to repentance. And tonight we'll look particularly at this warning from wisdom, a warning of what we do want, what our desires so often lead to. But both of these come as, as the gospel. They come speaking of uh, the fear of the Lord, calling you uh, to Christ, to follow him, to look to him, to adore him, and to follow his leadings. But they're warnings. How well do you typically uh, respond to warnings? I guess the warning signs posted on the highway, warning, warning labels on stuff you buy or food that you uh, eat. Uh, I've, I've learned about myself that my tendency, is, at least, is to uh, dismiss most of the warnings uh, that I see or, or not pay very much attention to them. I, I don't trust them uh, probably as much as I should. And most of the time, I want to try it out for myself and see what it's like. Um, that's far enough that, uh, that I can remember back in high school and where I lived, there was cattle and people had horses down the street from where I live. And you know how they have those uh, electric fences around where the, where the horses live? You know, and they usually, I think they're required to have signs of warning somewhere, you know, low voltage off fence. But I'm walking around with a friend and we're looking at the fence and I'm like, but I wonder what happens if you, if you go ahead and touch that, that fence. Uh, so I, I can tell you I've actually touched the electric fence before. I can tell you I survived, but I would still encourage you not to, uh, not to do that. When I was first learning to drive, let's say I had my, when, I, when you had a permit in South Carolina, um, you were supposed to be home uh, before uh, sunset. Um, but I was allowed to drive, so I'd drive to school, I'd drive to tennis practice, but tennis practice would get out just a little bit before sunset. Uh, and I lived like 15 minutes away, so I thought that was my excuse to speed and go as fast as I could to get home before sunset. And I remember a curve uh, that I'm pretty sure was a 15-mile-per-hour curve, maybe it was 25. And I remember looking up at my speedometer going, I just went around that curve hitting 70 when I came out of it. Um, not one of my best moments. Um, I'd had angels around. I don't know how I didn't crash going around that. I wouldn't go into it doing that again. Um, but a lot of times we have the tendency just to ignore those warnings. Uh, there was a time in my life where no trespassing signs mostly meant 
be careful not to get caught. <laughs> but there's probably something interesting there. Um, and when you hear people talk about college and college life, um, the warnings just abound on this side and that side, what the challenges are, what you should watch out for, what you should do, what you should be careful of, uh, from, from how you approach your classes and your studies, uh, to sleep, uh, to social life, and who you spend time with and what you do, uh, all the way to uh, food that you eat, uh, the roommates, uh, and how you deal with them, to laundry and, and finances. And the tendency of college students, no matter how many warnings are out there, is still to want to experience it for ourselves, how these things go and where it, where it leaves you. But, but however that is for you, if you could distill all the wisdom of all the college students that came before you, and not just their own opinions about their experience, but the actual wisdom from what they went through, if you could distill that and know here are the wise sayings that have been passed down to you that are, that are accurate and helpful, would you listen to it? How much do you expect that it would change or affect what you, what you did? What actions that you chose? When it didn't seem to make sense, maybe, uh, at the time, when you saw yourself wanting uh, something else? <clears throat> would you still slip into some of the same pitfalls that are described? Um, would you still ignore some of the good advice that's given? It's easy to be like Alice in Wonderland, I don't know about you, but I love Alice in Wonderland, the character of Alice in Wonderland. At one point, uh, I forget the book or the Disney version of it, but anyway, she says uh, something along the lines of, uh, I give myself very good advice, but I very seldom listen to it. Or something we can hear all of, these, uh, all of these things or even be telling ourselves this is the good advice. When you hear those warnings, where does it lead you? When you hear this passage, uh, the warning that it gives you, even about some of the things that you want, the things that appeal to you, the things that uh, are, the, are the desires there. Um, how, do you, how do you respond to it? Because here, this is more than just the distilled wisdom of college students through the ages. Uh, this is the advice, if you want to call it that, but it comes authoritatively. It's the, it's the advice of the all-knowing one who made you and made the world and is all-knowing and rules everything in it. And it's his vice, advice to you as the hearers of it. He's warning you and, and instructs you and teaches you what's good. It comes from the Lord himself. And this warning tells us um, uh, what, it warns us about what it is uh, that we want. The warning's summed up in verse 10. If you look at verse 10, you get the whole of what verses uh, 8 to 19 are speaking about. Uh, if sinners entice you, do not consent. So if people, your friends, maybe another group around you, but if people are you, encouraging you to join with them in doing something wrong, don't join in with them and do it. That's what it's saying. That's the simple, uh, clear, maybe, a, maybe obvious uh, wisdom of this passage, but however basic it is, that doesn't make it any less difficult. It doesn't make it any less of a, of a thing that we still uh, need to hear and struggle Against. And so the passage goes into it a lot more than just saying verse 10. And the way you'll see as we, as we go through it um, is verses 11 through 14 are talking about that first half of the statement. Right? If sinners should entice you, if they should say this and this and this and this, it's all the, well, here's the enticement. Here's the, if, if these things are appealing to you and drawing to you and you connect on these desires and it's leading you in this way, 
That's what it's telling you in the first part. And then from verse uh, 15 uh, through 18, it's telling you the other side. Don't consent. Don't go along with it. Here's why. Here's what it leads to. Here's the consequences of it. It's wisdom not just telling you what to do, but it's teaching you about it. It's describing you. It's recognizing that you're choosing in each choice that you make which path that you're taking. So it's teaching you about the decision that you're making and how it leads you forward. Sinners entice you. Uh, do not consent. <clears throat> what are the things that you want that appeal to you that you still need to be uh, warned about? Uh, because some things are very enticing and appealing, exciting and attractive because they seem to offer exactly what you want. And as a general rule of thumb, if something, um, if something has to be enticing to get your attention, it's probably at least a good idea to be skeptical, right? If something has to go through all this to kind of get your, get your attention and draw you in, um, watch out for that. Maybe a great example is the, uh, I feel like it's a relatively new term, at least a new term for me that gives a great example of it, uh, clickbait. Um, all the different sites, BuzzFeed or whatever, when you're scrolling down uh, Facebook, most of the things that you see that are not uh, you know, an actual status from your friends are just are clickbait, right? It's like 12 of the most amazing pictures that have ever been taken in, in humanity, and number five blew my mind. And you're like, oh, what, what, what is this? Right? It's just trying to lure you, trying to entice you that there's something there. And you're like, I was just on here scrolling down looking for something interesting to look at. Here it must be. This will be the thing that will blow my mind. And I'll be like, ah, this time was well spent. Until you click on it and you're like, oh, this was just another advertisement about something else. Or they're just trying to get me to go along with, with more of these things. Um, wisdom warns when something's enticing you, be wary, be careful. Don't just consent. Don't just click on it to see what's there. Uh, don't join in. Don't follow along. Uh, don't be enticed away from the fear of the Lord, away from following him, loving him in all and adoration uh, that leads in, a, in obedience. So what they say as they entice you uh, sounds kind of like this. Let's go murder someone and take all their stuff. Right? Uh, come, come with us in verse 11. Uh, if they say to you, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Right, so I want to recognize, for most of you, if someone says, hey, let's go murder someone and then take all their money, it's probably not the most enticing thing for you. Right? You're probably able to say no to that. Hopefully, hopefully you're able to say no to that clearly uh, and not go there. But maybe if it comes to you a little bit differently... Um, let's look down on that person. Uh, let's mock that person for what they said, what they wore, what they did, or what they didn't know to say. Uh, let's point at them and laugh at them or to ourselves so that we gain status from that, from, <clears throat> from mocking them as we take status away from them. That's one that gets us all the time. Uh, <clears throat> the gossip or the shaming lifting up ourselves or putting others down. And according to Jesus, um, he, he says that there's, that, that murder is, uh, the hatred in the heart is of one part with murder. And so even calling your brother, you fool, is, is breaking that command. All of a sudden, maybe what Proverbs is talking about has something to us. Maybe uh, just like gossip's a little bit harder to say no to, this is a little bit harder 
to say no to than we realize. Listen, what Proverbs is doing is, is this. It's trying to put it in, in starker relief to you. It's saying it more brashly so that you go, ah, how's that enticing? That's not what I want. Right. <laughs> if the clickbait said, ah, 12 uh, you know, decent pictures we've gotten a lot of people to look at, even though they're not real interesting, then you'll probably be bored and keep scrolling after this. You'd go, yeah, <laughs> you keep looking for something more interesting. Um, but it, it tries to entice. We can see uh, Proverbs puts it more clearly to expose it. Uh, so we can see uh, the evil that's there. What they're saying is let's join together in evil for no good reason. <laughs> I love that it brings that up. Uh, let us lie in, in, uh, in ambush. Um, uh, let us ambush the innocent without reason. They haven't done anything to us and there's not any good reason for us to attack, but let's do it anyway. Because it's going to feel good to us. Because uh, we're going to be uh, powerful as, as it does. He's essentially saying this. Let's, let's play the role of hell. Let's play the role of death. Like Sheol. Let's swallow them up whole like those who go down to the pit. We would just use the more common thing. Let's give them hell. Uh, let's go raise hell in what we're, what we're doing with this. Right? Here's the, here's the mindset that it calls to. Um, there's a peer pressure. There's an evil uh, to it. There's no reason to it. There's a, there's a selfish greed to it. Verse 19 especially uh, brings that out. But it's, it's so that we can all have one purse. We'll be set. We do this and we'll have what we want. It's the enticement, the alluring. We think that it's going to give us what we're looking for, but it's a Proverbs exposes it as a selfish greed. And yet it's still a community in that. This is, hey, I'm not telling everyone this, but I'm telling you. This is what we want to go after. This is what we're going to do. We want you to be in it. We want you to belong with us here. We're all going to get rich together. It's going to be good, and we're going to have it made. See, here's the thing. As much as it exposes that sin is evil, sin is enticing. Sin is appealing. One of my friends used to say over and over again, listen, if sin wasn't appealing, we wouldn't be talking about it. There wouldn't be a struggle there. There wouldn't be some issue. Things that scripture calls and writes about and says are evil, we long for. That's part of what we want. It's part of what we're looking for. It's part of what our desires I will crave and look after. Um, we think that it will actually be good for us. We think that if we take the bait, we're not just getting hooked. We're given something that's going to feel good. That's going to be satisfying, at least for the moment. Uh, that's going to at least give us something better than where we're at or what we're experiencing right now. And we go for it. I want to be part of that a community that offers a place of belonging, a sense of purpose, a satisfaction of accomplishment together, even if it's, in, even if it's evil. So typically you don't just get drunk by yourself in your room. Uh, you get together with some of your RUF friends and end up drinking way too much. It happens. Or you don't just... Uh, score some weed and you know, end up in the, uh, the, the last stall in the bathroom that no one's using and, and trying it out. Um, you're hanging out with your roommates who say, hey, have some. Join in with us. This is great. Why are you, why are you against this anyway? Um, or even just let's skip class and go to the beach. Because that's always appealing and it's so much more appealing when someone else is saying to you, hey, let's go do this. Like, Yes, when I'm thinking about what I want to do right now, I, that's what I would rather do. Um, it's clear. It, it seems great. 
Maybe even sometimes uh, the, hey, let's go on a diet together, when that really is code uh, for let's uh, starve ourselves and pretend, pretend together that that's what will make us attractive while we're actually hating on ourselves instead of affirming one another in, in who we are and trying to make good decisions. But it's appealing to be part of it. Or maybe sometimes that's let's, uh, let's act like we're better than others. Let's act like we're better than the other people in this room or let's, as people that are here, look at the rest of the campus and act like we're better than them because we know the Bible and we know some of this wisdom and some of our life doesn't have some of the same problems, maybe. Or at least we hide those things. And it's appealing. But you end up that self-righteous uh, hypocrite, but it feels like, no, but there's success if we encourage one another in it. Listen, the list could go on and on and on. You can find the things that you crave, that you long for, those things that you can see some of the evil in it, but if you prefer not to because it looks like it's, looks like it's going to work out, like it's going to feel good. Uh, it's things that really are bad. Pastor would say evil, but that are also still really appealing. If we're honest, we desire, we want, we look for it. The invitation is enticing. He admits it. He says, my son, if sinners entice you, if they appeal to you and it's attractive to you and desire it, be careful, watch out, because you want it. Because that's something that you want, be warned about it and don't join in with it. So you get to the, the other side of it. <clears throat> uh, the second half of the phrase in verse 10, uh, do not consent, do not join in with them. And, and the warning, what it does is go on to try to persuade you not to consent. And it tries to persuade you by telling you partially about the, about the consequences. Two main reasons that it gives why not to cons consent. Uh, it's wrong and it's stupid. But it brings that out in, a, in an impressive, impressive way. In verse 16, you see it uh, just stated more, more frankly that, it, that it's wrong. For their feet run to evil. They're, they're running, they're hurrying to actually murder, to kill, to shed blood. Um, it's against what God calls you to. So, so yes, it's wrong, but also it's stupid. Does it, doesn't work, does it work out very well for them? Uh, it was appealing. It was something they longed for. And where does it, where does it end up? And here's where you see the clever, cleverness in verses 17 and 18, how they put it together. Um, I've never done a lot of uh, bird catching uh, but, but apparently, if you set out a trap for a bird, a net for the bird, that you're going to try to catch it in uh, that net, if the bird sees you setting it up, it's smart enough to avoid that area and not just let you take it in its net. Um, but we're not always that smart. Um, and here, how does it describe it? Uh, <clears throat> that they're actually ambushing themselves. They're walking, that we're walking, into our own trap. <clears throat> that they end up all there with guns pointed, but they're shooting uh, and killing each other. Why? Why does it describe it this way? Right? By, by our actions, we're, we're bringing down God's judgment on ourselves. As we join together and say we're going to go against God, then what are we doing? We're calling out for God uh, to judge us. We're walking in uh, to the trap that we're, that we're setting. Uh, the wages of sin uh, is death, Scripture says. So in verse 11, it says, let us lie and wait for blood. What does it say in verse 18? These men lie and wait for their own blood. Um, we're bringing down a judgment on, our, on ourselves, and still, we long to go after it. 
I think that it's going to be beneficial or appealing. I think fishing lures are fascinating. Uh, if you go to some place like Bass Pro Shop, you can go to this whole section and you're like, I did not know that you could have nine different aisles devoted entirely to fishing lures of different types, right? Um, and there's a science that goes into the whole thing of the different, you know, what fish you're trying to catch, uh, what time of the year it is, what the weather's been, and the temperature of the water, the, the different size, the shape, the wiggle of certain uh, lures, the reflectiveness, and where you put that on it, how to hide the hooks, or what makes the fish bite. Uh, fly fishing alone, there are thousands and thousands, like, the fly is like super tiny. Like how many different ways can you do it and how much could that matter? But there are thousands and thousands of flies um, that people have looked at to figure out what, what's alluring to the fish, what entices them, what attracts them. Um, put it this way, uh, Satan has spent a lot longer figuring out what things are alluring to us uh, and attracted to us and enticing us and oftentimes fish are smarter than we are when it comes to avoiding the trap. Uh, but I kind of like to think of this section, this uh, wisdom from this father to his son with this warning. I like to think of it as like an old fish speaking to a younger fish and giving him warning about some of those lures uh, that are out there. Uh, teaching the younger fish what to eat, uh, what actually to want, and what he should actually avoid. So he would say to him, you know, look, if you, if you see something... And it's got these strange curved legs sticking out of it. Um, and it looks like this delicious morsel. Those aren't actually legs. And, and they're not the intestines that are, that are beginning to hang out in some uh, juicy, juicy way underneath that, that minnow. You see this part of my jaw? I lost my jaw to one of those. Trust me when I tell you this. Um, right? or, or if you see a, a string or a line or a straight line coming from the, from the front of that delicious-looking morsel of food, you don't want it. <laughs> I saw Bob get yanked right out of the water one time. Uh, these, these are warnings you need to listen to. Uh, if you're there and you're hungry and there's a big splash, and then all of a sudden something really, uh, really uh, juicy starts floating around, and all the other fish run up and, and get really close to it, don't you be the one that jumps in first and grabs on and bites it. Uh, it's not going to work out well. Um, listen, it's good advice. It's a warning that we're being given. It's wise advice not to consent to evil. But for it to be beneficial to us, we need to recognize it's advice that we need because uh, we're drawn to it because we don't want to hear it. It's enticing to us. This, this isn't just a, a, a moralism teaching you how to avoid bad behavior or how to not uh, get caught. Um, it's convicting. It's exposing our unwise and sinful behavior. It's exposing how we do join into the wrong, how sometimes we're the ones who are inviting others uh, into it. And it's pointing us to our need of Christ and to uh, his fulfillment uh, for us and his working in us by uh, his spirit. Um, it's a call uh, toward repentance. And the part of why I wanted to keep these things with connected uh, was you see in, verse, uh, in verses 20 to the end, it's a call to repentance. And it's talking about what about when we avoid that call to repentance? Because we're, when we're enticed and we're then caught and things are bad, the last thing we want to do is say, yeah, that was evil, but I really wanted it, and now I'm here. What we want to do is go, 
It wasn't really bad, but this is actually okay, or I'll get myself out of it. But it's calling us toward, uh, toward repentance, toward admitting uh, our need. Uh, you, can, you can see it this way when you look at verse, uh, verse 19. He generalizes the sin. If you're still thinking, oh, but he's really just talking about murder or whatever things. He generalizes in verse 19, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy. Who's greedy uh, for unjust gain. Not just murdering or plotting or hanging out with the wrong people. Or occasionally ending up doing the wrong things. But you can sum it up uh, with these desires. You can sum it up in one word. More. This need to have uh, this discontentment uh, with, our, <clears throat> with, with our situation. Discontentment with your body, with your reputation. Discontentment with your achievements, uh, your, own, uh, your, your own level of perfection or imperfection. Discontentment with your money, uh, with your stuff compared to others. Discontentment with the opportunities uh, that you have or that are around you and wanting more and approaching it in greed. Whole motivation in one word, uh, more. Uh, this greed, James uh, 1 puts it this way, that we are uh, uh, led uh, through temptation, that we are led away by our own desires. Long to fulfill uh, in the wrong way. And it's a greed that's destructive. It takes away the life of its possessor. Um, but really, though, you can just stop after the sixth word, uh, verse 19. Such are the ways of everyone, all of us. Um, and I say that not because of verse 19, but because of verse 16. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste uh, to shed blood. Because this isn't the only time that that verse is used. Uh, it's quoted again in Isaiah 59, and then it's quoted again in Romans 3. And if you want, you can turn over to Romans 3 and see the way uh, that, it's, <laughs> that it's quoted uh, there. The context that it's used in is talking about how all of us are under sin. That everyone is turned away, everyone has gone out to his own way. Verse 11, it says, there's no one that does good. And then it mentions various quotes from various places in the Old Testament, and one of them is this verse. So it's talking about all of us have sinned, uh, no one does good, and uses this phrase, for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. That's true of humanity. Uh, that's true of us. As we've gone to these things, as we've rejected Christ and wanted uh, our own way. And so <laughs> this gives a, a, a description of everyone. You get to verse 20 uh, in Romans chapter 3, and it, and it says, uh, Every mouth will be, will be shut. No one will be give, able to say, Hey, I'm okay. I did well enough. Yeah, yeah, but that applied to other people. It says, By the works of the law, uh, no human will be justified before God. We don't have a good excuse. This is warning us about the things that we have done as well as what we're prone uh, to doing. Everyone is sinful, but in Christ, uh, anyone can be saved. Romans go, goes on uh, to speak of the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Uh, that by believing in Jesus Christ, we're made righteous before God. We're given a standing and a place of approval. Uh, that he was condemned for the desires that we go after. And the punishment was taken by him that we would not have to bear it. As we look in the fear of the Lord and the fear of Christ, as we look uh, to Jesus as our substitute. And because he was righteous, uh, we're made acceptable in God's sight. Not because we've obeyed, 
but because he's obeyed, because he has always listened to the instruction of wisdom, because he was never enticed uh, to sin the way uh, that we are. But though we've consented to the allurement of sin, though we've taken the bait, that by faith in Christ, uh, we're forgiven. Uh, not only forgiven, uh, but approved. Rather than receiving what we deserved and being caught in our own, own trap, uh, we're given the life that's talked about here, this teaching, this wisdom uh, that is attractive, that is, that is life to you. You go back to verse 8. Your fathers, to listen to your father's instruction, forsake not your mother's teaching, verse 9, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. I mean wearing a weird necklace and having vegetation on your head. Um, this is, you can picture it like an Olympic athlete, that here they are, uh, they have achieved it, they are now being uh, crowned with this wreath and giving a medal of gold that shows that they have been victorious and accomplished it, they have the place of honor. And in Christ because he's listened to that wisdom, that's what we receive. That's what's said to be true of those who would trust uh, in Jesus as we stand before God. It's over our neck that rests medals of honor that Jesus achieved. And by God's grace, we're seen as appealing and attractive to glorify him for eternity. What are the things that you want, that you crave, and long for, but that you need to be warned about. How God calls you to Christ, calls you in repentance to look to him, that he is enough for you, and that he is able to lead you in the ways of wisdom. Uh, not that we would destroy ourselves, uh, but that he would give life.